ABC Listen. Podcasts, radio, news, music and more. Well, Australia was once a world leader when it came to road safety, but uh, the statistics for last year paint a very different picture. They're awful. Uh, 2023 was a deadly year on the roads and around the country. Kids are starting to return to school this coming week. Now, this is the long weekend, Australia Day long weekend. Be a lot of people returning from holidays, and I think we're all seeing, it might be anecdotal, but maybe not, it's real, some just dreadful driving, and I don't know what you do about it. Russell White is the CEO and founder of the Australian Road Safety Foundation, and let's talk to him about all of this. G'day, mate. Good to talk to you, Tim. Always great to be on the show. Yeah. Now, the Australian Road Safety Foundation, what's the mission? Well, our, our aim really is to try and change road, road safety culture. And, and as you said in your introduction, it's to try and bring down the uh, the amount of road trauma, not not just fatalities, but uh, but also obviously the injuries that are a whole different story again. So, uh, and again, as you said in your intro, I think uh, we've got an enormous amount of work to do. And, and anyone who's in the road safety space, I think, knows that, uh, that uh, we've got a tough job ahead of us. Yeah. I mean, how do you engage with the public to raise awareness about road safety? Because at the moment, they appear to not be listening to anybody. Yeah, and it's, it's a massive challenge. I think, you know, as uh, as we've seen, you know, we as a nation, we haven't achieved our road safety goals for for a number of years. Something changed also when COVID hit. I, I'm not sure what it was. And I think, you know, we may not know ever what it, what actually happened, but there has definitely been a a cultural change uh, that, that's happened on the street. We seem to be more aggressive. There seems to be more aggravation. People mm. are in more of a rush. And you then combine it with also, I think, it, it probably changed the way people view risk, the way they view community. And I think, it's, if anything, it probably presents a, an even better opportunity for, for community road safety mm. to adopt a sense of ownership to it. I think that's probably where the biggest change could come from. And I think in, 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 in being an optimist, I think that's um, where the, the greatest gains can be, can be sought. Yeah, that's it. It's angry driving. It's aggressive driving, isn't it? Everyone seems to be cranky. And you know, look, uh, that's... The blame's been laid at COVID's feet, and uh, I can understand that to an extent, but I'm just dumbfounded as to how that transfers into the car. Yeah, and, and again, I think it, it's something that's perplexing everybody, Tim. I think the the, the research behind it is, is going to take us a while to try and get to the to the bottom of that. And, and as I said, I think I'm, I'm relying on what I see. And when we talk to people, you know, part of the, the work we do is for all of our campaigns, we often conduct surveys to, to talk to the general public. And, and that seems to have been the thing that, for whatever reason, the level of, of change that's happened attitudinally, mm. um, even in respect to, you know, what, what the rules mean. I think I'm seeing more people breaking a road rule now. You know, you've only got to look at a, you stop at an intersection, the amount of people that are running red lights, even though there oh, might be cameras yeah. on that light, on yeah. that intersection. So there's more of that. And it's just, you know, it, it comes down to these choices. However it's happened, it, it's an attitudinal shift and it's choices that people are making on a daily basis. And, and maybe they get away with it one day. The next day might try the same thing and it could end up in a fatal. So it's, mm. it's a challenging space. You know, I know you know uh, Ian Luffin for my own, you know, benefit. I did that advanced driver training course with Ian, and you you really discover very quickly uh, you don't really know how to drive, or not properly, hey. Well, 
I often relate it to sport. You know, I think if if you're if you play any sort of sport, whether you're a swimmer, a golfer, a tennis player, whatever, you always know there's another level. You always know that there's there's uh, a, a if you've got coaching, you'd learn something new. And yet, funnily enough, for the the most dangerous thing that a person is going to do, and I think this is part of the secret to it, we've got to get people to understand it's the most dangerous thing you are going to do on a daily basis. We tend to just offer so little training towards making that 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 uh, that um, that mm. personal change. Yeah. And we can talk about driver education and awareness programs and, and you do it and we do it. And the police uh, over the summer so far have been virtually pleading with people to slow down and behave themselves. But uh, as of now, and let's hope we're adding to it with this discussion we're having, no one seems to be listening very hard, do they? No, and I think it it is, um, that's probably the frustration, you know, of it. I think, and again, this is where it comes back to this cultural change. I think we've got to look at, like I said, that, you know, driving driving is the most dangerous thing. And and if you were doing anything else, if if we were all to head out tomorrow and say, okay, we're going to go swimming with a whole stack of a shark infested water, you'd be pretty, you'd be pretty focused on that. Um, and you'd be pretty situationally aware. And I think they're the, they're, it's probably revealing the shortcomings that we've got Tim in the licensing system. You know, we're not we're not teaching people the the next level skills. We're teaching them the rudimentary stuff, mm. but we're not teaching them what what's the next thing. What's the grade five, six, seven, eight, nine stage of training? Mm. Uh, we we tend to leave it at prep school and, and leave it at that. And when you combine it with more traffic and a change in culture, um, it's a deadly recipe. Yeah. Now you've sent me and thank you the whole bunch of statistics here. And look, let's not go into all of them, but I think it's a popular misconception. And you know, people of my generation. Say, oh, these kids with the P plates on, they just drive too fast and aggressively. But the main stat for fatalities is in the 40 to 64 years group. Yeah, correct. And the thing, what you've got to ask, why is that the case? Yeah. You know, it's, it's, um, you know, we rightly do need to look at the new driver, but I think you're right. We do place the blame at, at their feet most of the time. And, and again, this is, this is coming from, I guess, people that, you know, should know better, should be, should have more experience. And yet it's that age group that's actually causing the, the you know, causing the biggest um, dramas. Mm. So why that is, um, I'm still at a bit of a loss to figure that out. Yeah, I think we all are. I'm just watching television this morning. And I, um, my wife and I, we just shake our head. Cars hitting cyclists on purpose. I mean, you know, yeah. and pedestrians and cyclists and motorcyclists, I mean, more than half the lives lost were not drivers of the motor car. Yeah, and and even it goes back to again this this sort of this is again maybe where social media's got some avenue to it. Um, people choosing to do not just not just things that could potentially hurt themselves, but they're involving you know innocent people. And uh, you know it's a little bit like that that story a, little, a couple of weeks ago about the the young kid pushing the the older gentleman off the pier in you know down at uh, down in Victoria. You know you think well why what's possessed you to do that? So that's also the challenge that we've got in the road space. It's people choosing to do this just unacceptably antisocial behaviour that, that unfortunately it's coming to surface on the road more and more often. Mm. If you say it slowly, uh, it might sick in. 1,266 people were killed on the roads in Australia last year. Yeah. yeah and honestly, and- if we lost that amount of people in a theatre of war, there'd be outrage, but it's the road stats. So we just sort of blink and go, well, you know, God, there you go. Thank God it wasn't me. Yeah, and, and I think that's also part of it, Tim. I mean, you know, at the foundation we, we deal daily with people that have that have experienced that sort of loss and, and I just I would stress this to your listeners that when you're sitting across the table from those people and you're hearing you're hearing the story, you're hearing their grief, you're hearing the the tragedy that they're going through, 
if, if believe me, if you could invent time travel at that moment, if you could take that away, that pain away from those people, you'd do it in a heartbeat. Yeah. And, and I think yep. that that's the stuff you've got to try and get people to think more about. It's it's the tragedy that's left behind and it's the impact. It's never the same again um, from the moment that happens. Now, this information, by the way, comes from Safe Work Australia and the Bureau of Infrastructure and Transport Research Economics. So they're bona fide figures and they are shocking. Look, some states and territories did okay. New South Wales and South Australia really poorly and Victoria. Now, we're seeing them, aren't we, on television almost every night in New South Wales and Victoria. But not just, you know, a, a crash. The fatals are, you know, obviously, and the police have to say, well, they're investigating. But you look at the car and it's obviously terrifying speed involved in so many of them. Yeah, any time you start having, you know, cars that are that are unrecognisable as being cars, you've got parts ripped off them. Um, you know, that that's even though they're they're designed to do that, that's involved massive speed. That hasn't just been an accidental um, you know, five K over the limit type of thing. That's been a deliberate a deliberate act. And and as as you said, you know, we've seen examples of that where where cars are completely destroyed. Well that that's had a fair bit of momentum to make that to make that happen. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, and a point really worth making, and and uh, we should both, you know, make it very strongly. It's not just the fatalities; that's awful. But some people's lives are changed irreparably and forever with the injuries they suffer in a car accident. Hundred percent, and and you know, that's the untold story in this whole road safety space, Tim. Like, quite honestly, we, and look, and rightly so, we we talk about the fatalities. But for every one of those, and you mentioned the the twelve thousand and sixty six or twelve uh, twelve hundred sixty six. Yeah. You know, for every one of those, there's at least thirty other people that have had a that have got a, a major life changing injury that's that's going to be with them forever. Mm. So when you start extrapolating that out, it wouldn't be hard to fill the. The MCG, the Sydney Cricket Ground, the Suncorp Stadium, um, with those sorts of people. And, if you, and again, if you think about that, you put that into that sort of context, it shows you just how much that's, that's leading into our hospital issues. Mm. Uh, it's leading into all sorts of other health problems as well. So you're right, it's not just the fatalities. We need to be acknowledging the, the serious injuries that are going along with it too. Yeah, and there's lots of stats here, but uh, this is another important one. And I wonder if you could tell me if this has uh, got worse over the years. Almost two in three deaths occurred in rural or remote areas. And I tell my listeners a little part of you know semi-remote uh, outside of Sydney that I live in, there's a road and people think, well, you know, I'm not going to see a copper. So they, you know, drive terrifyingly fast. But out in the bush, I suppose that's the case too. Uh, you're out on the open road and you think, oh, well, there's no coppers around and just nudge the accelerator to the point where it becomes highly dangerous. 100%. And if you have a, and that stat has been the case for a long time. Has it? And, yeah. and we've got to remember that in Australia, you know, uh, we've got a lot of, you know, uh, even though that's less than a third of the population live in those areas, they account for two thirds of the road toll. So the, hmm. the road safety issue in a regional or rural Australia is a bigger challenge because, as you say, you've got, high, you've got high traveling speeds, you've got less forgiving roadside. And, and certainly if something happens, help can be a long way away even finding yes. you, let alone trying yeah. to deal anything. So yeah. it's a it's a problem that's been around for a while and will continue to be that way, unfortunately. Yeah, indeed. And, you know, you can say uh, with ABS brakes and seat belts, seat belts came in a long time and ABS brakes, the technology in motor cars, it really shouldn't be going up the road toll. I mean, it's that's that's what I think everybody's going, well, why is this happening? Because the cars are so much safer. You, you've nailed it. You know, I think what, what, 
where a large part of our reduction has come from has been the improvement in vehicle design. And I don't think anybody can really dispute that. I think, you know, yes, roads have gotten better and enforcement's gotten better, but I think the biggest change that's happened has been in the safety of the cars compared to what we had in the 70s, even in the 80s. You know, they're, they're, they're light years ahead of all that now. And you're right, if we've got all that going for us, what's changed to make these figures? It should be going down, it shouldn't be going up. So there's broader issues to look at. And, and whilst we need to keep doing all the stuff we know works or has worked in the past, there's also the opportunity now, I think, to to look at, at education, to look at human factors, to look at what we're doing for school kids, what we're doing for road safety in the workplace, uh, a whole stack of things now that I think we need to We've almost probably relied too much on the vehicles getting better mm. and we've reached a point where we, we now need as humans to step in and have a bit of personal responsibility with it. Yeah, and obviously the thing we have added uh, in recent years and, you know, well, the last 20 years is the distraction of the devices, the mobile phones and texting while you're driving. It's almost unbelievable you say that, but people do do it. And even though, I mean, there's a really heavy penalty now, I think it's five points for doing that uh, and a significant fine, but people still do it. And you can guarantee if you see someone who's slowed down on a motorway and sort of not staying in their lane, you can bet they're on the phone. 100%. 100%. And, and we've got to remember, too, that it's not just it's not just drivers that are distracted. It's people on push bikes. It's people yeah. walking the street. Mm. Uh, it's people on, on scooters or skateboards. You know, the mo- you're, you're right. I mean, the distraction piece, it, I, I think, going forward will be one of the, the major things that we've got to, try and, got to try and handle in the road safety space. And like you say, uh, it's a problem because everybody's got a device on them. Not everybody will drink, drive. Not everybody might choose to mm. speed. But everybody's got a device on them, so that makes it even more difficult. Yeah, well, you know, it comes back to, uh, I, and again, I've said it to the listeners you know, week after week, I honestly don't know what you do. Uh, I mean, we've got you know, quite confronting ads. We've had very confronting ads about road trauma on television. Uh, the politicians plead with us, uh, we do it here on the air, you do it, God bless you. And uh, nothing seems to be working, I mean, it just seems to be getting worse. And I think the early part of this year, we're seeing probably, and you won't know until the end of the year, just as many as we had last year. Yeah, and that's, that is the concern. I think, you know, the time's come, Tim, I think, to, to be looking more at at the at the personal responsibility. And I know it's it's a it's an odd topic in in this day and age, but I think we've got to get back to some of those fundamental basics about about general respect, also taking some ownership. You know, the first thing when somebody has a crash, they'll they'll say to you, Well, it wasn't my fault. And really yeah, that should yeah. be that should be not, not the first thing. You've got to look at it and go, in actual fact you'd probably be saying, Well actually I probably did play a role in that. Mm. So I think we've got to adopt this thing where there is more more personal focus, certainly more situational awareness and, and, and I guess also taking some of some of that, you know, being in the now, you know, be be present, don't be distracted and 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 I guess understand too that you know you share the road with so many other people, and you don't know the state of that person coming towards you. It's a little bit like learning martial arts. You learn it as a as a defence to become more situationally aware. And a lot of the time, like you said, with the distraction piece, mm. you can get a vibe off that car in front of you just by looking at it. You know, this person's not quite on the ball. Yeah. So back off and give them some space, like allow yourself a bit of, uh, have an exit strategy is probably the best way to describe it. Yeah, I don't know if this happens in the other states, the listeners will soon tell me, but uh, what do you think of driver rewards, so rewarding good driving? In, in New South Wales, the Premier's brought in, well, if you're incident-free, major incident-free for 12 months, we'll give you a point back. I mean, it's probably not a lot, but is is that going to work, incentives? 
look, I think it needs to be part of it. I, I actually yeah. applaud okay. that sort Good. of thing because I think, um, you know, human behaviour, changing human behaviour needs two things. It needs the carrot and the stick. And I think for a long time we've relied so much on the stick and we haven't really given any incentive to to you know, to reward good behaviour. And some people will say, well, you know, just having the licence should be the reward. And you go, yes, in, in the ideal world that would be the case. But I think if we could put some additional value on that, on that, what those points mean, and additional value on the licence, have the reward as well as the stick. And especially with cost of living and stuff, there might be ways that you can mm. you can reward people for being, let's say, a gold license standard if, if a holder if you're if you've got a clean record and you've got all your points. Well, maybe there's there's other financial things that might help you, whether that's tolls okay. or registration. Yep. You know, if we put a dollar value on it, that might also change um, change it. But we need to again. I think we need to balance that with the carrot and the stick. Yeah. And, you know, we do say it a lot, of, and it's a bit, you know, old man shouting at the clouds, but uh, we all have a whinge about the kids, but they're not overly represented in the stats, but we see them driving too fast um, and, you know, aggressively too, I suppose, and not, not paying attention. But um, is a driver's licence too easy to get? Is that a question to ask? I think that needs a review. I mean, I've often said if I was a transport minister, I'd, I'd probably bend the whole system and, and start again. I think we've got to look at... Uh, a whole stack of things in that space of how how do we expand the learning out? So how do we have a longer period where people are being being coached? Mm. And then how do we how do we then also look at again potentially on the on the workplace front? What are we doing in the in the work related road safety space? Because the vehicle is a workplace, and so the the workplace health and safety laws that apply in a factory also are applying. You know, if someone's driving for work purposes, so I think we do need to look at. Um, how we're licensing people. I also think how do we how do we provide that next level training? How do we how do we sort of say to people, okay, you've got your L's and you've got your P's. That's great. That's just like you've just passed grade one and two. Uh, we now need to give you some things to think about for you know for grade fives and sixes and sevens. So mm. how do we elevate that that level of 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 training and um, improve people's behaviour? Let's go to my end of the scale. Um, is it too long before you have to retest for a driver's licence? Should be retested every, I don't know, ten years, fifteen years, maybe. Yeah, I think there definitely needs to be something like that. I, you know, again, I'm, I'm always reluctant about the word testing. I think, yeah, because I, I think it sends the wrong message. But, but I think if if we had again this space reputi- repetition between throughout someone's entire driving career, where where there is an opportunity to get to get a little bit better or improve in something, you know, rather than it's a little bit like what happens at the other end. You know, we compress everybody's driver training into this really narrow period. When they're on their L's and P's, then we do nothing for the rest of their career, and then suddenly, when everyone reaches those ages where, you know, eyesight starts to deteriorate mm. and, and the skill, the, the reflexes aren't as good. Mm. Um, if you haven't got a base skill to draw back on, well, those things will eventually lead to to crashes as well. Which could be why we're seeing those those sort of things happening in that that older demographic now. We're reaping what we've sown, you know, mm. for a previous generation. Well, uh, as I say, it is the Australia Day a long weekend, and there's going to be people coming back from their holidays. January is the holiday month in Australia and of course kids going back to school if there's one message you'd like uh, our listeners to take away from this conversation, what would it be? Really hard with just one Tim, but I, I think, like I said before, be be present, be, be in the now 
um, look as far ahead as you can and and just often so often it's just a case of rolling out of it just just roll off the throttle uh, in many cases a lot of that stuff it's just driving your conditions and and thinking about about what's happening around you and if you're in if you're now if you're present if you're situationally aware you'll start to see things even on a road you might drive every day you'll start to see things that you didn't notice before and I think that would be my my tip if, if I had to pick one that'd be it there's yeah. probably 1200 but exactly but be exactly. One. Well, I should add too, and my listeners uh, know this, and I, I actually didn't think I, I was tired, but I had a quite serious car accident myself after having a little micro sleep, and I spent uh, a whole day in hospital, and just about every nurse in the hospital said, well, we've had those. So yeah. you know, that's the other one. You know, if you're on long trips, please don't drive tired. Yeah, and as you say, if people are coming back, you know, it's it's you've got to try and manage that. So that that does mean you need to be well rested, and because as you've said, you know, it can creep up on you so quickly. Mm. You don't intend for it to happen, uh, but that that little bit of a tendency to want to push on and and uh, get to that destination can come at a huge cost. So yeah. make sure you're well rested and, and take those breaks when you need to. Yeah, and uh, you know, one thing we've all got to consider, and I think we do sometimes. You you sometimes take your your life into the car. You know, if you're cranky when you leave home, that's that stays in the car all of those things just remember you're driving around in this thing that's several hundred kilos and you're hurtling along at 80 90 100 k's i mean honestly just the worst things can happen and you don't want to be overly dramatic russell do you but i mean that, those statistics are just appalling they're dreadful yeah, they, they are shocking, Kim. And, and like I said, I think when, when you deal with people that are at the forefront of it, well, either as victims or it's the first responders or, you know, if you've ever been to a crash site, if you're the first on scene, you, you know, yourself, you know just how horrific. It's just awful. And, and it's something you don't want anybody to have to to have to go through. And I think, um, you know, that's probably the biggest social change we've got to make is just let people know that it's it's not just the risk of getting caught. You know, the, the cost to your life, the cost to someone else's life, um, you know, could be something you never recover from yeah well thank you for all the good work uh, you do and have been doing for a very long time how long has the foundation been going by the way um started officially as a foundation around about in 2010 but i've, yeah, I've right. been i've been doing road safety pretty much since 1990 so you it's have, been a, yeah, yeah yeah it's been a career base for me but but i'm, I'm passionate about it and I'm, and I'm always optimistic that we you know we can make a change if, if enough people if we can get enough of a, a change happening it you know it is possible so I'm, I'm always optimistic no matter no matter how discouraging some of the results might be sometimes i think you know i'm always optimistic about what might be what might be achievable in the future yeah, good on you. And thanks for the chat. Appreciate it. Thank you. Anytime, Tim. All the best. Russell White, the CEO and co-founder of the Australian Road Safety Foundation. ABC Listen. Podcasts, radio, news, music and more. 